Let us ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word. O God and our Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and nearest kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so we are continuing our series on the ten words known more commonly as the Ten Commandments. I want us to remember, of course, why are we doing this? Because we're following out the Great Commission, making disciples, baptizing them, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And so I want us to consider what, God, what does God command of us? How can we be good disciples unless we study and hear His words? And the reason that we call them the Ten Words is because God speaks. In Exodus chapter 20, in verse 1, it says, And God spoke these words, saying, So these are the very words of God. And of course, I say this every week in this series, He said, Yahweh, that's His personal name, eight times in these ten words, or ten commandments, and Yahweh, your God, five times. Very, very personal are these words that God is speaking to His people. And of course, we know, as we've talked about before, that these appear in two locations. They appear in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Deuteronomy, the entire book, is Moses' sermon on the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words. And we find near the end of Deuteronomy, at the close of Moses' sermon on the Ten Words, it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And again, this is to emphasize these are God's words, and faithfulness is our calling to these. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15 says, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of Yahweh your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and His statutes which I command you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. That is both inside your cities where you think you're safe and in the land where uh, your economies are growing, all of those will be cursed. If you go and you look through the rest of chapter 28, these curses listed include curses on our children if we do not follow God's word, curses on the food supply, including that which we've put up for later. Sometimes we begin to trust and think, oh, it's all right that everything's going bad out there because I've put things aside. There's also curses, think of this now, curses of confusion and rebuke. There's curses of disease. There's curses in, in Deuteronomy 28 about unprofitable economies, defeat by your enemies, madness, blindness, confusion of heart. Others will prosper from the labors that you do and leaders will bring captivity and idolatry to worthless idols. Take pause on all that. Chapter 28 comes to a close with the final failure to follow God's law, which includes repentance. And I bring that up that, that when we do sin, we can come and ask for forgiveness. And we're going to learn today that sometimes 
It's merely we ask God for forgiveness, and God has requirements of what we need to do to make things right to other people. Deuteronomy 28, 68 says this. This is the final curse that he brings down when we don't follow his word. And Yahweh will take you back to Egypt in ships. By the way of which I have said to you, you shall never see it again. And there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. And even worse, no one will buy you. When we reject God and the words of God, what happens to us is we are returned to bondage, to the bondage of sin, to the house of bondage. This is very sobering. The truth is, sometimes we despise the laws of God because we fail to see the curses of disobedience. We can think sometimes that the laws of God are bad for men. Actually, how we ordinarily do that is, they're bad for me, but I want others to do it. And of course, sometimes what can happen is we can look at all these things and say, man, the law, God's words, His commandments, they point out all the things that are wrong with me. Romans chapter 7 tells us in verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. That passage goes on and tells us that we would not know that we needed God unless he had sent his word and his commands to show us how wicked we are. But there is joy because God gives us true humanity in walking according to his words and commandments. Praise be to God that through Jesus Christ there is forgiveness of our sins. And of course we've been studying these words, these commandments of God, and we recognize that there's two categories. There are those that are about directly our relationship with God. The first five and the latter five that are about our relationship to one another. But as we have continued to look at, we have recognized that we can't rightly love our neighbors if we're not rightly loving God. As a matter of fact, we see that these things parallel themselves, right? That when I place other gods above God, or I serve other idols above God, that I am in an adulterous relationship with God, and I am taught and reminded of God's faithfulness when I am faithful to my wife or you are faithful to your husband. We can see that we God teaches us and instructs us in physical things around us in the creation. And here today we will be looking at the eighth word and that is in Exodus 20 verse 15, you shall not steal. And we have a second passage out of Ephesians chapter 4 that we're going to read now so that we hear it, we're going to teach through it, and at the end we're going to read it again and perhaps through a new set of eyes, through a new set of lenses, bringing clarity to it. So again, we know that we should not steal. And we here see in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, it says this, 
Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Verse 28 in particular, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, nece good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So we know that we're not to steal, but what are the reasons for this are more than just simply saying that my neighbor over here has something, an item, a property, a person, and I, I'm going to steal them. It's more than that. We need to recognize that we are called to be fruitful and multiply. We talk about this every single week, it seems. But we must understand that dominion and power has been given to us by God. As a matter of fact, everything in this creation is God's. If we take it, we take from God. We know this that we are created in God's image. And this means that there are certain things about God that we have because we're created in His image. Knowledge, righteousness, holiness, and dominion. And of course, just to remind us, Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. And he describes the creation. <coughs> and in verse 27, after God says to himself, let's do this. It says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created the male and female. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the earth. It is therefore man's calling, your calling, my calling, to exercise dominion. But it is also in our nature to do so because we are made and created in God's image. And we need to remember that all we are and all we have to make things fruitful comes from God. In Job chapter 38, verse 1, it says this, And then Yahweh answered Job. This is in this whole debate going on, coming towards the latter half of, of Job. And God responds. And he says, this, and, and I'm pointing out verse 1 because I want you to know it's God speaking here. And he answers. And he says this in verse 4, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined 
its foundations. Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measure? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Fast, excuse me, fastened? Or what laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shuts up the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. We need to recognize that God created it. We weren't there. God created everything in this world is His. And that leads us to understand that if we steal, if we go against someone else, we need to understand that we are sinning against God first. God is the first victim in any sin or offense. In Gary North's book called Victims' Rights, I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful treatise on understanding justice and what God's Word has to say about these things. He says this, Man cannot strike God directly, so we act through intermediaries. Men strike some aspect of God's creation in some attempt to strike God. And, of course, he also quotes Van Til, who says this, The child must sit in the father's lap in order to slap his face. You know, too often we treat sin as something disconnected from God. Like, okay, there's this rule, and I know God made it. That exists. But we've disconnected it from the real fact that God himself is the person that we are assaulting, that we are going against. People are God's surrogate victim. Again, we can see in Psalm chapter 50 that God made all things and that all things belong to Him. In in Psalm 50, beginning of verse 10, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills, and I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the fields are mine. And he even brings it later on in Psalm 50 in verse 17. He says, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you, then you saw a thief and you consented with him and have been partaker with adulterers. We always make it about us and our own whims, but the reality is when we are going against what we know to be God's word and God's truth, we are assaulting God. It is really important that we understand this. We need to recognize that we live in a world and we embrace this. We look at others and say others embrace it, but we do it too. Where everyone thinks they're entitled. They're entitled to do what they want, be who they want, act the way they want, even define themselves. And we have to remember that there are plenty of warnings in God's word, like in Deuteronomy 8, beginning in verse 11. Beware that you do not forget Yahweh your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. And this is a warning that he's giving because he says, I know I'm going to give you good things. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you talents. I'm going to give you the land. 
I'm going to give you all these things, and it's going to be great for you. As you are obedient and you work, it's going to become fruitful for you. And in verse 12, it says, you know, he's warning them, and he says, Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, that is, oh, you're full of yourself, and forget Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, then you will say in your heart, My power and my might of hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember Yahweh your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. People of God, whatever you have, and whatever, frankly, anybody else has, came from God. From your talent, to the opportunity, to your time, it all has come from God. Therefore, when we take, when we steal, when we defraud, we are doing this against God. I want to talk to you about a couple of things here because sometimes we narrow theft down because we think it's tangible. People of God, injustice is theft. Exodus chapter 23, verse 8. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. Leviticus 19.15 tells us this. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. When we partake in injustice, when we exercise injustice towards others, we are stealing from them. Deuteronomy 16, verses 19 and 20 tell us this. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality nor take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land in the land which Yahweh your God is giving you. I don't know if you've thought this through much, but a bribe is a a payment for redemption. You want help with something, you pay a bribe. It's a salvation of a false variety. Psalm 37 tells us this. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. People of God, pay your bills. But it isn't just paying your bills, it's pay what you owe for those who do work for you. James chapter 5, verse 1 tells us this. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. And you have heaped up treasures, treasure in your last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. The cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. 
You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. In that narrative in James, he's saying, hey, somebody does work for you, pay them. Lest what you have saved up becomes curses. Back to that Psalm 37, remember that the contrast is the wicked borrows and doesn't repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. Whatever God has given you and blessed you with, it is so that you may extend and take dominion in the earth, and part of that is giving, certainly to the house of God, but much more than that, giving and investing and blessing. And, of course, it's not always money. You can give of your time. You can take your talent. And certainly, as parents, you're doing a lot of that with your children. But, you know, there's also ways to steal and, and be fraudulent towards our family. God's Word tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, that is his family, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. One of the difficulties we have right now is everyone is always looking for someone else to help those that are in need, especially in their own household. How the church is designed to work is family does what they can, what they're capable of doing, and when it's beyond their need, then the people of God work together to help those that are in need. The church helps them. But the first step is, is the family doing what they can? Some cases we find that, right? Whole families are, are struggling or they've poured a lot of money into an issue that they're trying to deal with, medical or otherwise. And they're just tapped out. That's where we definitely, as the people of God, we come in and give. But God blesses us to give and we should be taking care of our families and then the church. You know, we need to remember that fraud is at work. Stealing is not just property, but sometimes it is the stealing of honor or propriety. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 tells us this, Do not withhold good from those who, to whom it is due, and when it is in your power, in the power of your hand to do so. <coughs> if you have the ability to do good, do it. <coughs> And it says, do it to those to whom it is due. Sounds like a bill. If it's in the, your power to do it, do it. Don't hold back if it's in your hand to do so. But it is more than that. Romans chapter 13, and of course this has been a big debate over the last several years. What does this all mean? But it's important for us to recognize a couple of things that are true for sure. In Romans 13 verse 7, render therefore... To all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. You just need to make sure if you're stepping out that you know that you are doing it righteously and using God's word to make sure that you are acting rightly. And, of course, it goes on and says, Oh, no one, and this is in, in chapter 13 of Romans, Oh, no one anything except love to one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Remember, people of God, we are required to pay our bills and to provide honor and respect where it is due. 
Now, of course, all of this is very interesting. You know, you're talking about all this stuff. That's all great. But we have a problem in our culture, and it's all about us. We don't want to follow the dictates of God, whether it has to do with justice in the, in the civil realm around us, justice in the church. Frankly, we don't follow the directions when it has to do with rearing our children. But you see, God requires restitution and responsibility. Unfortunately, we have a tendency to subsidize the criminal activity. And again, I'm going to say that can be in our households too. We don't want to spank our children. We don't want to teach them, excuse me, God's dictates. We don't think that's right. Well, there's going to be some problems come out of that. But you see, in the modern world, we've experienced a huge increase in criminal activity. Am I right? It seems like everywhere. Why is that? That's because we have rejected what God's Word says about what to do in relationship to criminal activity. For a long time, the West has substituted public torture, this is historically, followed by capital punishment by an executioner, as opposed to what God's Word says. You know in God's Word who the person is who throws the first stone? The person to whom the offense was done, and obviously... If they were killed, they can't do that. But then the scripture set up someone from their household that is set up as the first person to throw the first stone. It isn't just detached. Somehow, this is our problem. It's all detached from scripture, and it's all detached from the victim. Later on in history, we saw the substitution of imprisonment instead of restitution towards victims. In the 1800s, here in the United States, we began to substitute the centralized state prisons instead of local jails and public floggings. And of course, because of our influence in the world, the rest of the world has adopted this terrible practice. Finally, we see this, that civil courts substituted life imprisonment instead of capital punishment. And then judges started substituting parole for life imprisonment. Step by step, we have pushed away from what God's Word says. And what have we done? We began to subsidize criminals at the expense of the victims, and all in the name of compassion. You know, people that are hating God and want to establish themselves as gods and their ideas and dictates those who think and are elevating men, their God is themselves. And what they do is they, they try to make it greater than, than them by saying, oh, it's the collective us, it's the collective man, that's the state. You know, we hear frequently things like they paid their debt to society after they've spent a little bit of time in jail. And in some cases, yes, they stole things and they need to make restitution, but more than that, maybe they violently were stealing things. What about the victim? The scripture teaches us that there's a series of restitutions. You know, ultimately, why do we want to reject restitution and these structures? Man doesn't like it because it reminds us of the fact that restitution has to be given to God for our sins. 
We reject these things because we do not want to have to submit ourselves to the fact that there is a final judgment for you and me. So we want to come up with all these other strategies to deal with problems. And we don't want to follow God. And of course, all of this is in opposition to Scripture. Just quickly here, I'm going to highlight a couple of things out of Exodus chapter 22. Um, we, what, what, what we see, beginning of verse 1, and going down through the end of the chapter, through verse 17, we see this, instructions like this, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters or sells it, he shall restore five oxen, oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Okay, this is important. He says, okay, you steal it, you're going to give back five times as much. And you might say, that sounds drastic. Okay, except for think about this for a second. Ox and sheep brought economic prosperity to those who had them. The sheep could be shorn, and so they had, they had both the tangible, I could, uh, you know, I, I, I own them, so that has value, but also you could turn around and say it also produces income in the future. The same thing with oxen. It also says that if a thief is found breaking in and he is struck and that he dies, there'll be no guilt for the bloodshed. There's even, there's even instructions about what happens if, if I do damage to my neighbor's property, how I'm responsible for that, if my actions cause damage. As a matter of fact, if it's damage to the field or vineyard, I have to make restitution for my own field or and vineyard from the very best of mine, not just anything. And if I do create a fire on my property and it spreads and it burns and damages others' crops or others' property, I'll have to make restitution. And it's very interesting, all through this, God says, yes, you can get forgiveness of your sins, but you did damage, you need to pay restitution. We need to understand that we need to listen to God's word if we're going to address these things. And I would teach your children, if they break something, let them work it off. Teach them to be responsible to God's word. If, we, if you're serious about changing our political environment, in you and your household and the world you live in, follow God's word. It starts in the church. We need to understand that there is importance for us to do work and service. In order to take dominion and to be fruitful, it requires us to work. We can't be lazy. Proverbs 21:25 tells us, The desire of the lazy man kills him. For his hands refuse labor. Verse 26, he covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. Laziness, that causes people to want stuff they covet, they want. When we work hard, we're called to give, and God blesses us and helps us to prosper. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, and he says this in verse 8. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but work with labor and toil night and day that we, may not, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we did not have authority. In other words, they should have been and could have been paying him to teach and instruct him. But to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. 
For even when you, we were with you and we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, he shall not eat. This is one of the difficulties. You, many of you know my past. You know that I've done a lot of work in this area. People can say this, oh, if they won't work, they won't eat. I, def I definitely believe in that 100%. But one of the difficulties with having these kinds of things decided by someone in a cubicle in Washington and laying out plans is they don't know the person. They don't know what's happened in their life. Are they capable of working? Do they need someone to come alongside them and teach them how? Did they never learn? How do we help them through all of those things? For we hear that there are some among you, and of course, remember this, this is about to the people of God. For we hear that there are some among you who walk among you in disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. That's what happens. If, if you don't work, you simply become a busybody. You're running into other people's business. One, one of the things about modern technology is, okay, there's gossip on your phone all the time. 98% of the news is all about, quote, famous people. Oh, i got to find out what happened here and what happened there. We need to work. And, of course, Paul says this, Now those who are such, we command and exhort you through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. As far as it is up to you, people of God, work. Ask others for help. In learning how to work, do not steal, do not defraud, pay your bills. And remember, it isn't just because of your relationship to one another, but if you go against these things, you are stealing from God. And as it said in Deuteronomy 28, we should be very concerned, even afraid. Having said all this, let us read that Ephesians 4.25 passage again. And hear what it says. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give who has need let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness wrath anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. People of God, if you're sinning in these areas, confess your sin, be restored to God. Look for ways to make it right with those to whom you have stolen or defrauded. And be kind to one another. If you are the one to whom it was stolen, be gracious. See that your brothers and sisters are restored. Because... Just as Christ has forgiven you, we should forgive one another. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, the principal sin in us has been condemned and crucified, that we have been regenerated in him and that our sins are forgiven. Give us grace day by day to move in terms of our restitution, both 
with respect to our trespasses, the trespasses of our forefathers, that we may restore the earth under Christ and make it your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.